Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode nine of season four of This Osteopathic Life. We're getting back on track, a track that really only I have determined, but I have shared with you. For release of the episodes, I hope you enjoyed the recent conversation. We have more of those pending for your enjoyment and your listening. And if ever you would like to be a guest on a conversations episode, or you have someone from whom you'd like to hear through this osteopathic life, let me know. Send me an email, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com, and keep me posted. Today, we are talking about self care what that looks like, what it means, how we respond to the use of that word, how we engage in it, when it's necessary, all the things. And I'll share with you that this came up in a number of settings. And I gave the example when I was relaying this to my own coach in our conversation this week for the time when all the sacred texts that we might know originated around the same time in the world from different areas and through different lenses. And then I thought, wow, are we really going to talk about self-care as this ancient sacred text put it in the same category? And I thought, well, yeah, that is the whole point because self-care is a sacred act. It is the knowing and the tuning in and the being with and the bravery, the courage, really. That word keeps coming through and we could pull that up as well. But I love that root origin word, of courage is grounded in heart and it's grounded in that act of bravery for self. And so many times we see acts of bravery as the sacrifice of self. And I am not discounting that. We could look at that in some pretty horrific examples that are all too frequent in the current moment. And also thinking about what it means to honor oneself and care for oneself We could think about preserve oneself, but that feels to be in a scarcity space. It's the just barely. And we're leaning toward an all-in, an all-encompassing, a gentle and meaningful embrace of self when we're discussing it here today and hopefully here to after, going forward together or independently. Both can be options. So when we bring up self-care. Just take a moment. Think about self-care. I often encourage you to close your eyes again with those caveats. If you're walking, biking, driving, and shouldn't, you know, pause and pull to the side and close your eyes or just in your mind's eye, go into a reflective space. Think about self-care. What does self-care look like for you? Do certain activities come up? Does a certain feeling arise for how that might be? Do you have a reaction to that phrase, that hyphenated pairing of words and think, oh, right, self-care, it's overdone. I don't have time for it. Who can do that? It's indulgent. Do you have those reactions to it? Do you have a longing for self-care? That sounds great. Wish I had time for it. Not going to happen. 
zero chance that that's available for me. So just checking in and seeing what your automatic response might be and what opportunities you might have. So as I said, this came up as some of my colleagues were expressing some challenges and I was reflecting on my own current experience of self-care. And then simultaneously, a number of people that I follow and different organizations and groups were bringing this up in this need for consistent and thoughtful and persistent and thorough self-care. And the phrase radical self-care came through for me. And even that idea of fierce self-care inspired by the book Fierce Self-Compassion. And that it isn't a passive or a mild or an afterthought practice. It is a purposeful and consistent and regular and here I'm going to use the word preserved differently, a well-preserved for self, a boundaried space of necessity. And it really is the foundation we talk about on this podcast being for the health of all things. And to be for the health of all things, we must include ourselves in that bucket. And we've talked about that many times before. And we must do so with a lot of noticing and intention and purpose. And in that moment where all these different, somewhat unrelated spaces are saying these same things, began to think, we're in this moment at this time for a reason. And thinking about all these difficult situations that have transpired, looking at susceptibility to COVID. And I want to be clear that none of this is a blame or shame space, but looking at the impact, what we're being called to do and honor And there are simply some things that are beyond our control that we must acknowledge, accept, allow any of those A's from the activation process to which you might relate. And also looking at the acts of violence that are happening and looking at how could better self-care support this. And I want to very much acknowledge that there are absolutely privileged spaces and states of being and situations that make it much easier to access the practices of self-care. And that is something to be addressed. We can notice it and know it and own it and work to create greater awareness and equity around it and still implement and honor what these practices can be. So this need for self-care And we've discussed need in different ways before and checking in for what that might look like. And I'm looking actually at my shelf right now and I can see a number of books that can relate to this, but the one that sticks out to me always and forever, I think evermore, will be The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager. And just seeing that in a space where all the elements of self-care we might discuss here today are absolutely not available that self-care could still happen simply in the act of a thought, of holding a belief for oneself in order to remember that you matter, that your life is valuable, that caring for yourself, even if it is simply through the act of compassion, and I would like to rewind and strike that because simply Yes, it can be simple and beautiful 
in that way of simplicity. But compassion for oneself in the most dire, egregious of situations, it's not easy, right? So I don't want to confuse simple and easy in that space. But that self-care is still available and is the act of sustenance. So self-care is an act of self-preservation in so much as that it is life-saving in so many different ways. And we need not compare our situations because it's easy to say, well, if that is an example, then I don't even need to do anything because I should simply be grateful for all that I have and I can't even compare it to that. And that's okay. And if that's helpful for you, you can operate from that space to say, wow, right? Simply that shift in perspective might be enough because I can imagine what these other people have gone through and this is not nearly as bad. We definitely go to that comparative space. But I'm going to encourage you not to do that, perhaps to draw inspiration from it in so much that it can lead you toward a version of self-care that can work for you in your present moment and not to shame or blame the current state of affairs in your own life and instead acknowledge that self-care is always necessary and it will look different depending on situations, circumstances, resources. And if you do seek to create greater access in other spaces, that might even in some ways become an outlet of your self-care, but you can't skip the you part of this. And I'm speaking from own experience. Let's dive in. There is a Zen proverb, and this is the general gist of it. I've seen it with some minor iteration shifts, but if you don't have time to meditate for an hour every day, you should meditate for two hours. And the original might be, right? Meditate for an hour every day. And if you don't have time for that, meditate more, not less. And so taking that pause right now, because this may bring up all kinds of bristly feelings for many of us, thinking, great, are you telling me to take more time and do more things and be still? It's impossible. I can't get the things done that I have to do already. So where am I going to find and fit the time in for one more thing? And I hear you. I have absolutely been there. And what I want to offer to you is that you won't get to everything, that you can't get to everything. And so if that remains true, if we're going to agree on that, and we could examine that as thoughts versus truth, but in general, right? again, I'm looking right now at many different things in my house that could be done better, differently, updated, to-do lists, all of that. And I really do believe we could go fact-based and we could time it that it couldn't all get done in a day, maybe not even a week. You know, Maybe if you worked around the clock, but that wouldn't fall into that bucket of appropriate self-care. And so if it's true that you cannot get to it all anyway, I'm going to put that caveat on there. Why continue to omit the thing that would contribute to better health for you, to better moods for you, if that outstanding list will remain regardless? Now again here, let's go to basics and clarifying points. That there are some things that must be done. And even there, we always have the choice. But we can agree here together that certain things, if you're a parent, taking care of your children, and for all of us, eating, you know, consuming certain foods that are nourishing for ourselves. And we could look at that as an act of self-care and a necessity. Two birds, one stone, fantastic. There are certain deadlines 
right? If we are working and we are in agreement that this work we are doing is something that we wish to continue doing. But many times there is some flexibility in what the deadline might be in the volume of the work. We could talk quality of work. That one often can be a challenging space. But if you could filter it out and get clear on what has to be done, right? Has some certain time pertinent and life-sustaining requirement, that leaves a whole bunch of things in a negotiable category. And if they are negotiable, and if they are likely not to all be done in one day, why do we continue to omit the thing that would actually be useful for our health, our well-being, and actually likely promote our capacity to do those other things? For example, for me, exercise has moved itself from a negotiable to a non-negotiable category. And we could look at where that becomes problematic. And we could look at the why behind that. And I will say that for a future episode. But in general, a reasonable, right, in that word, leaves some room for interpretation. But let's say 30 to 60 minutes of exercise, six to seven days per week is a pretty reasonable space. And we could look at different recommendations around that. And we could leave the intensity part out of the equation, right? But that has moved itself from that space of things I might get to, to things that must happen. And that has been part of my lifelong habit development for as long as I can remember and beyond that, actually, because I shared with you before, I found journals of times I didn't even remember that exercise was a key part of my self-care. And that was physical, yes. And certainly that's where we could look at when the physical benefit, we move past that tipping point of it being beneficial to being detrimental because you can certainly over-exercise leading to injury and other complications. But in general, for the most part of that time, nearly 30 years of consistent daily exercise with the exception of some certain times when situations simply didn't allow it. You know, there were reasons during earliest pregnancy that that wasn't allowed, but for the most part, it was there. And it didn't mean I didn't get other things done. I just got other things done on a different schedule or with a different level of intensity or perfectness. But for the most part, it actually made better use of the time that I had for those things because I felt better because my mood was improved, because my focus was shifted, because I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to go and do this run, because I chose to invest the time in it ahead of time. And that is a space that I would offer to you to consider, that could implementing something on a regular basis, and it needs to be something that's enjoyable for you. The methods, you know, the means by which I exercise may not be for you. I have a dear colleague who now has found the exercise outlet that really works best for her. And now what used to seem like a chore, she can't wait to do each and every day and finding those ways to absolutely integrate it so that she can show up better and more fully herself in those other moments. So considering that. Now that is just one element of self-care and there are many others. And I will offer that for as consistent as I have been with exercise, there are plenty of other spaces where I have good intentions around self-care where I don't. And that is an act of deprioritization, whether it's intentional or otherwise, because the time is there, right? If you have a screen time app on your phone, you can go in and say, oh, wow, right? There are many minutes in the day when I could have meditated or journaled or 
done mobility or or talked with a friend or walked gently or played music, whatever that might be, whatever your active self-care might be, the time exists. And I will certainly field questions from those who are on 48-hour shifts and time is challenging. We could also look at micro-dosing self-care. That is absolutely an option. We've talked about the PQ program and PQ reps, which are 10 seconds, right? We absolutely can find 10 seconds and we can partner it with another act. So there are opportunities for self-care. Although I will say that taking a bit more time, carving that out, investing it in yourself is something worth exploring because if we're only focused on the micro dose and the fitting it in and the marrying it with other activities, we are still in a way shortchanging and devaluing our investment in the time in ourselves. We're saying, right, I can't afford to take this time. And the other side of that statement is an idea that I'm not worth the investment. Investment of time, perhaps of monetary resources, if self-care looks like a retreat or something of that depth of investment. But notice, if we're saying I can't afford this, what dialogue we're actually having with ourselves. And what begins to shift if we say, I am absolutely worth this time and attention. How we begin to treat ourselves differently, how we begin to treat the things that we do with our time differently so that the tasks we are taking on, we recognize their true value because our time is a most worthy investment. And so when we are taking our time and our energy and putting it into something, it looks different because we are very aware of it. We're not just going through the motions. We're not taking for granted the value of what we have to contribute. And so whether it is the microdosing or the macrodosing, the gross investment in yourself, what a fascinating word. How might that feel different for you? And what might self-care look like? We've listed some different options here. And we can think about the osteopathic concept of body, mind, spirit. What does care for those different components of you look like? So we talked about exercise, but what about rest? And that's a space where I've really picked up my investment and awareness because rest was not my forte. Continuing to move and go and do, yes. And so many of us can relate to that. Pausing, being still, what? Like, no. It was next to impossible for me to, let's say, take a bath. Right, sit still for five minutes. Like, what? Why would I just sit here? Like, what are we even doing? We could talk about other reasons that that might not be appealing. But in this moment, where my awareness has been drawn to the need for purposeful and clear, deliberate, integrated, diverse means of self care, stillness is a major piece of that. And it might be sitting still. It might be in meditation. I have trialed some of the float spas. Maybe you have been in those situations. And what surprised me was actually once I made that commitment that this is something I'm choosing to do, this is a worthy use of my time, this is contributing to my health personally and professionally so that I can show up in the work that I'm doing more composed and aware, I had no problem being still. And that truly blew me away. Wow, I can be here for an hour with no distractions, right? nothing else available, just me in this space. And it was glorious. 
I, could, I really couldn't believe it because it had not been my experience previously. But it took that sense of commitment to the time. Writing and journaling, interestingly, have historically been reliable for me, but I would often get behind. You'd miss a few days and then have to make them up. You know, and who's holding you accountable to that? That is a place that I'd like to go and that hasn't been as consistent. So it's not automatic and a guarantee, but there is room for growth. Shifting the activity piece, the exercise piece to less intensity and incorporating more yoga in different styles of exercise, focusing on steps and gentle movement because movement does help us to process and to integrate and then partnering it. So if it is a conversation, because connection can be an act of self-care. I have enjoyed being able to walk and talk with friends who live remote from me. We can both be moving at the same time and engaging in dialogue. And it feels like a more wholehearted, whole person engagement. For mind, reading often comes up for me in this space and learning in different ways. Right now, audiobooks remain the most accessible to me, again, for that time piece and also learning the stillness piece. So expanding that and saying, this is great. I can take in new information. I would like to turn pages of these many books that are in my home. And that also is a practice of stillness. What is it like to sit with this book and turn these pages? So room for growth there. So as we talk about this, bringing this forward and bringing up some definitions, and we'll come to Merriam-Webster first, right? Our go-to for so many of our definitions in the past. And so thinking about self-care defined, care for oneself, super literal, and checking in if you're making the time for that. And interesting, putting in here the caveat provided by oneself, often without the consultation of a medical professional. And we could talk about, is this the arena for medicine, for physicians to be advising you on what self-care would be or the importance of it? Maybe or maybe not, perhaps. This is a space where we have some freedom beyond the medical model and room within the medical model to grow, certainly, but to decide that self-care is important and what it looks like for us. I don't know if you can hear, but there are sirens going by outside right now, which I think is totally appropriate. Let's not wait for that emergent moment to engage in this practice. From Oxford's Dictionary, the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. Right, so maintain or to grow. And I've shared with you why preservation can feel a little bit lacking, right? That it's just like bare minimum. And I can't get through many weeks without office space reference, right? The minimum pieces of flair. And if this is the minimum, just tell me and let me have that be enough. And why do I have to do more than that? And while I agree with that concept for the most part, for many situations, particularly in work situations, right? Can we look at what is necessary here to be successful, to be a good physician and take excellent care of my patients? And when are we doing things on top of this that might not even be necessary or even helpful, but because we think we have to, because someone else has done it, because it's been in the system. And so those moments are checking in with what is the appropriate, helpful, necessary, put it through that acronym, thoughtful, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind. And we could think of it through the lens of and is more than that more helpful and necessary? And maybe it's not. More is not always better. But what I'm going to offer here through this thought about radical self-care is that in times, just like that proverb, 
when the stress is higher, when there is more coming at you, when life is that much more difficult, cumbersome, complicated, chaotic, that is the time you need to double, triple down on your investment of self-care and get really clear on what is absolutely necessary and let everything else pause for a moment. If we're going to talk about the microdosing for a day, for a week, for a longer interval of time. And you might think that's crazy. That's not possible. I have lots of things to do and I hear you and I'm with you. And I'm going to say it again. When you are in the more stressful times of your life, that doesn't mean self-care takes a back burner. You bring it forward. Because if you move it to the back burner, let me give you this comparison. I have a very large cast iron skillet that I don't think I'm going to use much longer. But it requires two burners to be on because it's so big. You know, you would miss part of it with any of the burners on my stove. And so many times, because I have turned this back burner on, I don't see it, right? And so then it's later, I'm thinking, wow, this cast iron really holds heat. I'm like, no, Amelia, the back burner is still on because you're not paying attention, right? So if we're moving things to the back burner, the back burner can be really helpful. It's nice that it can heat the back part of this pan. And I have times when I'm using multiple pans and pots on my stove, and it's great to have these options. But if you are obstructing it, if you're pushing it to the back because you're not having time for it and you're not going to notice it, it's going to catch up with you, right? In a dangerous way. So make sure you are clear. Use the back burners appropriately, right? Check that they're on and off. We'll give that uh, public service announcement here. And I do now check more explicitly and no, no major incident has happened, but enough that the pan was warm. I have to put that out there for you for safe purposes and my mom is often listening. So we're okay, right? The back burner is stable here. <laughs> but looking at pushing something so important to the bottom of your list will come back to get you, right? And we have come through fire seasons together here. And so those analogies still are tough for me, but maybe important to use because the risk is great. And in those times when it seems like you could absolutely not fit one more thing in, the thing that you do fit in needs to be the thing that takes care of you. And do it first. Do it first. Because generally speaking, you are going to do the other things anyway. Right? You're going to feed your family and pick up your kids and make the food and all of those things. If you're able to, ask for help. And it might be outsourcing help. And again, I can absolutely honor the privilege of being able to afford to do so, but also Perhaps share the load, right? Bring back that village. So if you do have other families living near you, why are you both making the drive to school at the same time? And of course, we came through COVID and had to make those shifts. And if we're able to do so safely now, ask for that help, right? Share the load, offer your strengths and recognize when someone else can step in for you. And say yes to yourself, be it an exercise class or taking a walk or drinking more water, or listening to something that moves you, or turning the pages of a book, or writing something down, or calling a friend. Do the thing that takes care of you. Because from there, you will be better able to be present for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for your patients, for your clients, for your work, for your passion, for all of those things. If you don't, there'll be nothing from which you can draw to provide the care 
that you seek to offer. I'm going to offer up this second definition here. The practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. Right Here's what I'm going to put in those asterisks, during periods of stress. And so what that means is higher stress, higher investment, active role. Right, This is not a passive process. It's not going to happen to you. You need to actively invest in this. And here, the word protecting, you know, I like that better than preserving because it is, right? It's, it's not just this, oh no, just in case. It is, I am here and I am creating this safe space for me. And well-being and happiness, again, there's a lot of room in there for interpretation of what that might be. I have one other image, and this is from at Laura Hart Lines. I'll put a link to it. But I like these options. Self-care can be spending time alone, putting yourself first, asking for what you need, setting boundaries, staying at home, saying no, forgiving yourself, taking a step back. So bringing that forward, right? It's not always the doing of more things for oneself, but the saying no. And from Kelty Mental Health, similarly, Self-care is your physical condition, right? So how are you supporting that? Awareness, kindness, choices, attention, priorities, curiosity and exploration, community, slowing down, support, pleasure, acceptance. So get creative on what self-care means to you, how you respond to the suggestion of it, what acts you take, and how you might double down on this in those times of your life when it seems like it's the last thing you have the time or the energy or the capacity to undertake. I offer that to you and I welcome your response, your sharing. Find me at This Osteopathic Life on Instagram and Facebook, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. And I'm actually sharing more also through live underscore inconceivable on Instagram. And I see them both as a partnership, This Osteopathic Life and Living Conceivable. So feel free to follow me there and engage in these daily acts. I appreciate your engagement and I welcome your input. And as always, this is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.